You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good morning. Good to see uh, everyone. Great to see also uh, new people. Some, uh, some of you I met, uh, you were, you're, some are visiting. And some are just, um, you know, recently moved here to California. Welcome. We are Victory Church of the Bay Area. And as uh, Janine mentioned, uh, we are here for two reasons. We exist to honor God and to make disciples. And my name is Neil Bernardino, and I'm the pastor of this church. And again, we want to welcome you. And we hope that you would encounter uh, Jesus and his presence and his awesome love in, 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 um, in a great way that will transform your heart and know him for who he is. All right, let's, uh, let's go to our text this morning, and we are basically uh, <clears throat> almost ending, almost ending <clears throat> our series on moving forward, and this is basically growing through discipleship, and in the last, uh, in the last seven weeks, uh, we've been talking about uh, different topics, basically <clears throat> um, this series, uh, the, the objective of this series is for us to to understand what it means to continually grow in our relationship with God. And, and that relationship is not stagnant. It's, it, it's not static. It is progressive. It is, uh, you know, developing. You are growing in that relationship. You are moving forward. You're moving ahead. And so, and a part, a part of that is, you know, um, growing in your discipleship in Christ. And, and we define discipleship uh, in, as relationship here in, in this church. And discipleship is basically a call to, a call to uh, follow Jesus, um, fellowship with other believers, and to fish for lost people. And over the last seven weeks, we've been looking at these uh, topics. The first three weeks, we, uh, we um, concentrated on, on our relationship with God. So basically, discipleship is a relationship on three levels. It's a relationship with God, with lost people, and with God's people. And so the first three weeks, we looked at our relationship with God. The next three weeks, <clears throat> we looked at our, our relationship with lost people. Basically, we're looking at, we looked at our mission and how we can grow as disciples, and disciples um, grow in their mission as well. And, and in these last three weeks, we're concentrating on, on um, developing our relationship with God's people, the community of faith, the church. And uh, last week, we talked about the church community. And today we will speak on, uh, we will talk, touch on relational unity, okay, relational unity. And with that, I'd like to request everyone to please uh, stand up as we honor the reading of God's word. <clears throat> and we will be reading from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be reading uh, from 1 to 16, but we're going to jump a few verses after verse 7, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> It's in the New Testament. It's one of the, one of the letters of the Apostle Paul. Okay, Ephesians 4, starting verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's jump to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word breathes life into us. And uh, Father, as we talk about the relational aspect of this community, of your church, um, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we may give ourselves, commit ourselves to unity, to your unity, to the unity of the Spirit. Lord, that we may, um, Lord, we may fulfill the purpose why you brought us together. And Lord, may you, may you be honored and glorified as we uh, live in unity. Your word says in the Old Testament, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Lord, let the, the pleasantness of your presence, of your spirit and your anointing be upon each one of us as we live, truly live, in the unity of the spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all take your seats. Thank you. <clears throat> now, as you can see, this whole passage we read the theme, its theme is on unity, the unity of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is another reference to the church, the community of faith, the community of believers in Christ. And, um, and it is a, a theme here, and I want to show you verses 1 to 3 again. <clears throat> and we see here Paul making an appeal. Um, he started this section of his, of his letter making an appeal uh, to walk to the church, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they have been called. Okay, so, and we are, to, as believers, we are called to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that we have received in Him. Okay, so we can't just be, we can't just uh, put a label, say Christian, and just do whatever we want. If we take on the name of Christ, if we become a believer and we take on His name, then we are to be out with the old and be on with the new. We are, like, like, like what uh, Dennis and Joel mentioned a while ago, he gives us a new heart. We are a new creation in Christ. And therefore, being new creations in Christ, we are to live out the new life that the Bible speaks of that he gives us, eternal life. And this life is, is, is totally different from the life that you used to live when you were in sin. And as we are saved individuals, we come together into this community of believers, community of faith, okay, which the Bible calls the church and also the body of Christ. Okay? And there's a reason why it's called the body of Christ. 
Now look at your body. You know, think about your body right now. Your arm is connected to your torso, and your torso is connected to your, to your waist and your, your hips and your legs, and then your head. So everything's connected, right? Right? So there's a connection, and there is a reason, but each part has, has different, um, um, different roles, different functions. The eye has a different function than the ears. Okay? Then the, the mouth has a different function than the hands. Okay? So, and... Um, and all, all of these different parts come together to make up one whole unit, okay? A unit. In that sense, all these parts are united into this, this, into this united whole, okay? So, so we are in unity. These parts of your body are in unity, okay? So, <clears throat> and that's what, that's what we are talking about here. And, and Paul made an appeal to, for, for people to walk in the manner worthy of their calling in God. How do they do this? And Paul said, we do this, in verse 2, with all humility. So that means we walk with humility. Okay? So I remember when, you know, when I went to my college, I was, I was so proud of being, being in that college. And there's a shirt um, that says, it's so hard. It's hard to be humble if you're a... Lassalite. Okay, so, so it's hard to be humble if you're Lassalite. And then and I, I saw a friend of mine who was from the Ateneo uh, in the Philippines, uh, Ateneo de Manila University. They had the same shirt, but it's a different color. Lasal was green, you know. They're just blue, and it says it's hard to be humble when you're an Atenean, you know. So I guess, but if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, <laughs> you have to walk in humility. We ought to walk in humility. We are ought to walk in gentleness, with patience. Everybody should say patience. Some of you can't wait to break the fast. Have patience. Bearing with one another in love. So here we are to walk in love, and and all of these actually, uh, <clears throat> when we all these are in concert, we can see that there is a unity that's going to come up. But it's not a unity that we produce. Okay? We don't create unity. It's the Holy Spirit who produces that unity in us. Okay? So, so we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I want to I go through that um, verse 3 in a bit. But how do we walk according to, uh, in a manner worthy of the calling? In these areas, and especially in the area of unity. Okay? So we are to be united. <clears throat> um, and then, <clears throat> Paul. after this, Paul elaborates what unity looks like, what unity means, what unity is in the next 13 verses and that we read. So, um, unity, by definition, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> by definition is this. It is the state of being undivided. <clears throat> Having oneness, it is a condition of harmony. This is taken from the Illustrated Bible Dictionary, and um, and the the Dictionary Bible themes <clears throat> renders it uh, the same way, but describes it a little bit different. It says there, unity is the bringing together of separate or fragmented parts of it into a unified whole. It is God's ultimate goal to unite, bring together, and reconcile to Himself the whole of creation. This desire for unity is a reflection of the unity within the Godhead. It is expressed in marriage. You can see unity in marriage and demonstrated in the fellowship of the church. So we can see unity demonstrated 
in the Godhead, in the Trinity. Okay, they are in the, we have three divine persons in one God. Okay, there's only one God in three divine persons. The, the Trinity, the relationship within the Trinity, it's is a unity. Okay, and then unity is that's why also in marriage, when in when in in Genesis and Jesus said this, um, you know. Uh, for this reason, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay, there's a unity, a oneness in marriage. And also unity, the Bible speaks of unity in the scriptures. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, in, in the church, sorry. Uh, there is a unity in the church that the Holy Spirit produces. <clears throat> now, it's, the, the theme of unity is very important because, first and foremost, Jesus prayed for it. This was his prayer. Okay? <clears throat> this is Jesus' prayer. And in John 17, says there, My prayer is not for them alone. He's, he was praying uh, for, his, for, for the 12 um, disciples who would later on become apostles. But he said, I'm all, um, My prayers are not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. How many of you would say you're included in that? Because the apostles preached the message of Christ, and that message has been continually been, been preached and believed for 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 two thousand over two thousand years now. Okay, we are products of this, and see Jesus is praying for us. Okay, how I many of you like the idea that Jesus included you in, in his prayers? You say, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, that they may be united. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. You see? <clears throat> and here he repeats that. Uh, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them to the, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And remember, he was talking to the Father. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So this is a prayer of Jesus for his church, that his church would be one, that they would be united okay <clears throat> then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me see three three things i want to highlight here first uh unity reflects the godhead again it reflects the relationship within the godhead the father the son and the holy spirit they are united okay they are united that they form a a, a whole you know father son holy spirit so that the whole the, the concept of the Trinity is is a is a mystery that our finite minds cannot grasp or grapple with, and the Bible does not explain to us how and why. The Bible just simply states it is, and we are to um, you know accept it by faith. God has revealed Himself as as one God in three divine persons. So there we can see. The, the Godhead demonstrates unity, okay? And also, we can see that there's uni this type of unity that Jesus uh, prayed for is a unity with God and with one another. See here, we are to be one with God. That's his prayer, okay? So we see here, just as you are in me and I in you, okay? <clears throat> What's that? Uh, verse 21. <clears throat> Okay, and so here, sorry, here, may they also be in us. It's a, they are to be united, 
together, and they also to be united with God. Okay, may they also be in us. Jesus prayed that all of us would be one, and that all of us would be one with, with God. Okay, may they also be in us. Okay, uh, he prayed that they may also be one as we are one. I in them, Jesus in us, in his, in his church, and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. See, the unity that Jesus prayed for is not just limited to, you know, the, the, you know, the relational plane here in the temporal realm, but also vertical, okay? So our unity is not just horizontal, it's also vertical with God, okay? And actually, our unity with God is what affects, impacts, and dictates our unity as a church, Okay, and lastly, unity witnesses to Jesus and also to the gospel. <clears throat> okay, so here, this type of unity would cause the world to believe that God had sent Jesus Christ. Okay, so this type of unity, when it happens in the church, the world will know who Jesus is. The world will know that God has loved us and the world will know that our message is true. You see, when we see a united people, how many of you appreciate, I mean, not, I assume not everyone here is a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Okay, but, um, I mean, that's a team sport, and everybody, all the commentators and people are saying the reason why they're so, so um, difficult to beat is because they're so united. You know, they're thinking of one thing. I mean, they, they drop their egos. It's not about me. It's, it's about the team. And so you can see it in their movement, you can see in their ball movement. You can see it when they're being interviewed. They're not saying, oh, yeah, I did this, I did this. No, they, they always deflect and they always lift up the other, the team and the other members of the team, not themselves. And when you, when you see unity, there's going to be something that will be produced there. Uh, there's going to be productivity there. And so there is a mission of God for the church. And a divided church, a divided house cannot stand. Okay. Any any organization, any group of people, any a, a society, if it's broken down and it's divided, it cannot stand. It will not have strength. It will not have influence. Okay? But a united group of people can produce much more. Okay? So <clears throat> so let me summarize what I've what I mentioned here. <clears throat> Unity was Jesus' prayer. So unity reflects the Godhead. It, it is a type of unity with God and with one another. And it is a unity that witnesses to, uh, to Jesus that when people see our unity, they see Jesus. And they also, you know, it's also a testimony of the gospel because our unity is the gospel being lived out. <clears throat> Secondly, thing about unity is that it is demonstrated by the church. Um, Let's look at that in Acts 2, 44 and 45. Uh, this is in the early stages of the early church. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, some people are saying, oh, this is communism. No, this is not about communism. Um, <clears throat> uh, and, here, and, there were, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You see, in their, there was something in their community together. In this group of people that's causing them to, you know, 
not really put much value on their stuff, on their, position, on their possessions, but they value people. Because that's, if you really look at it, how does God value things? Does God value stuff more than people? No, He values people more than stuff. And so the, the, these, these Christians who would come together, they have this mindset of, of sharing the love of God and by giving of themselves. And because of that, every need was met. There was, there was a, you know, a shared life when there is, when there is unity. Okay, and that's why it's, a, it's called a community, a common unity. Okay? So, <clears throat> spiritual unity was demonstrated by the church. So here, and it should be demonstrated by, the, uh, by our church. Okay? Um, hopefully, those of you who are coming here, hopefully you see some of that unity. And hopefully, those of you who have been here, I hope you're participating in that unity. Okay? So, and I hope that that unity is seen by, by, by others. Thirdly, okay, unity is a reality in Christ. It is made possible by Jesus, uh, true unity, uh, made possible by Jesus, and it becomes a reality in Him. Okay, in, in Galatians 3, 27, 28, for as, many as, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Basically, there is no, neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So you see here all the, all the social barriers uh, that we put up and all the social constructs that divide people and societies. When you come to Jesus, you are one. I remember a story uh, many, uh, many years ago when, um, how many of you are from, have been to South Africa or are from South Africa? Anybody? You're from South Africa? No one's here. Okay. How many of you have been to South Africa? Okay. No one. Okay. Just me, I guess. Am I seeing? Okay. Just me. So I was there last year. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the history of South Africa, you know, they were, that country was so divided by, by up, um, apartheid. Okay. So I'm not, that's the Western way of saying it. I heard uh, the local say apartheid differently. I couldn't pronounce it. So, but anyway. And there's a segregation between, between um, you know, the whites and the blacks. And even there, so even when you go to one, one section of the city, which is only for white people, but the blacks can go there, they need to have like a certain passport to get in. And they can't work in those areas. They can only work in this area. So that has divided South Africa for, for, for many years. And Nelson Mandela was in prison for many years because he was fighting this system. And then later on, something there was a breakthrough, and he, he you know, he he was uh, he got out of prison, and then he became president. He was elected president of South Africa, and in in his early years, of course, apartheid crumbled. But it is so endemic in the system that even if it is, you know, if it is um, done away with as as an official system, it's it's still felt in in all aspects of of life there in South Africa, and so. Even without saying, people, you know, instinctively, people stay away from certain places because that's not what they've gotten used to. They, they've gotten used to a divided society. But we have an Every Nation Church there. We, we have several and, uh, that are thriving. And our Every Nation Churches have gone beyond the, you know, the barriers of color 
And in, that, in, their, in our churches there, if you go there, you'll be amazed at how, you know, the blacks and the whites, they just, nothing's different. You know, they're, they're one, they're, they're brothers in Christ. And so they had a, uh, they had a, um, a conference. All of their South African churches were gathered in this place. I, forget, I, I forgot what, what place that was. But, and they were praising and worshiping God. I think it was in an open assembly. I'm not sure if it was an arena. <clears throat> but it was an open place where, and then people were coming in, you know, blacks and whites were coming in. And then the president happened to pass by, and he was intrigued by that, by that scene. And then so he stopped, and he went inside, and he observed um, you know, um, what was happening. People of different colors were worshiping Jesus together. They were united, and, and he walked into one of our, um, talked to one of our pastors, and this is the vision that we want to see South Africa have. What you have today is proof that this can happen. But you see, that's Nelson Mandela saying that, but here, this unity is not produced by a political system, by a political ideology. It's not produced by any other thing. It was produced by the Holy Spirit, made possible by Jesus Christ. Okay? So spiritual unity. <clears throat> Where's that? <clears throat> I'm lost. Okay, there you go. It's a reality in Christ. Um, it's also produced by the Holy Spirit. So when you are, basically, let's go back to that. When you're reality, so when you are in Christ, you can live in unity with, your, with, with, with God's people. Fourthly, it is produced by the Holy Spirit. So and in verse 3 of our passage, it says there, we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I will make comments on that again later. So, and then lastly, unity is a mark of maturity in Christ. You know, you, you know a person or a person is mature in Christ when, when, there's, when divisiveness is becoming less and less in a person. You know, the problem with churches is that we have a lot of division. You know, even in the early church, Paul dealt with division so much. Divisiveness can destroy churches. Division can destroy churches. Silos, as we call them in, organ, in, 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 in um, companies. When you come together and group together in cliques or you, know, you have groups and you have your own agendas, uh, they create you know, fractures in, in the structure and then it will cause the structure to crumble. You see, division will not help. That's why you see if, you, if your marriage, if you're divided in your marriage, if you're always fighting, and there's no agreement. There's no unity there. There's, there's not going to be any marriage for long. You won't enjoy the bliss of what real marriage is if there is division, if there's constant conflict, that, un, that unresolved conflict. There's division. There's no agreement. Okay? It is a mark of unity, of maturity. When a person lets go of his agenda and goes for the greater agenda of God's, God's purpose and will, you know that person has matured in his faith, in his walk with God. And a church filled with mature believers like this, there's going to be a greater sense of unity. Okay? 
divisive people are usually the most immature people. Those who always contend, those who always complain and contest. A lot, the funny thing about most people who complain is this. The loudest to complain are the least ones to be participating in the life of the organization or in the life of the church. <laughs> you know, um, we, don't get, we, we don't get to complain if we don't get the right to complain if we don't participate. Does that make sense? Right? So here, it's a mark of maturity in Christ. And <clears throat> we're going to talk about that um, in a bit. So, so let's go to our main passage. And um, Okay, so it says, that's, main passage says there, uh, e verse 3, sorry, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, as a church, Paul, Paul basically mentioned, um, spoke of the call to unity, and now he elaborates what this unity is. And this is a unity of the Spirit, okay? Not a unity because of political ideology or we have the same. That's a good thing. I mean, in the Philippines, um, uh, one of our small groups there in, in, uh, in Victory Fort Bonifacio, when, I, when we were still there, it was comprised of people from different political, from diverse political um, groups, you know, we have someone from the Marcos clan, someone from the Aquino clan. The Marcos and the Aquinos, they're, I mean, they're, they're political rivals. And then we have someone from the com for, former member of the Communist Party of the Philippines, you know. And, um, and then we have another person here who's... So there are four different types of people, but they're all in one victory group. <laughs> they're together. They call each other brother, sister. And they share life together. You see, you may have differences here in a social realm, in, a, in an earthly realm. But let me tell you, our unity is greater because our unity is in Christ, which transcends the natural. Any social, cultural barrier is transcended by Jesus. And so this, this is only a unity that can be produced by, the, by God. It's not something we can come up with, okay? And, and look at this. <clears throat> this unity is produced by the Holy Spirit, but we have a participation here. We are to maintain it, okay? We are to maintain this unity uh, produced by the Holy Spirit. And also, uh, this unity is in the bond of peace. That speaks of when you're at peace with one another, that means you, you have a... a a, um, you know, you have an open relationship. You have a great relationship. You have relationship. That's what I'm saying, right? When you're at peace with someone, you again can relate. So this unity is relational. Spiritual unity. So let me say that. Spiritual unity is relational unity. Okay? Spiritual unity that, that the Bible speaks of here is, is relational unity. Verses 4 through 6 now, it's basically an enumeration of the basis of our unity. Let's look at the basis of this unity. What unites us here? Because we put our faith in Christ, we, we are part of one body. We are all part of one body, the body of Christ. And we all share and part partake of, and we, we have the same spirit dwelling in us. So even if you don't like that 
person's face. Look at the person next, next to you. Whether you like that face or not, whether you like that person or not, it doesn't really matter because if you're both believers in Christ, you are united. You have the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Just as you were called to the one hope, we have one hope, okay, that belongs to your call. One Lord, we have one Lord. There is no other Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we share that. Unity, okay? We have one faith that we proclaim. We have one faith that we stand on. We have one baptism, one, one way. Baptism is what brings people into membership into the church, uh, into God's community. Okay, because when you get baptized, you're basically, it's like saying, you're, it's like forsaking your old citizenship and pledging your allegiance to Jesus Christ, and you are now a citizen of the kingdom. That's what happens when you go through the waters of baptism. You are pledging your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? He is your master, no, no one else. So we have one baptism. We all went through that. And then we have one God and Father of all, who is over all and, is, and through all and in all. Basically, He's taking care of all of us. That is what we share together. Come on now. Now, we may be in different stages in, in our journey. Some of us may be new in this journey, so we don't know a whole lot. But we still have one, one we're part of one body. We have the same spirit. You, you have one, the same one call. You have the same Lord, the same baptism, the same faith. Okay? The same God. You may be a believer for 45 years, and then a new believer comes. You are my brother. Come here. So, the church is not just a social club. There's so much more. It is a spiritual entity that, that basically demonstrates the life of God in, in, in people, in a community. And that is a testimony to the world. Okay? So, how do we cultivate spiritual unity now? So now, this is the basis. We're not united because we're, we're with victory. We're, you know, we believe in the vision. Of course, when you're part of this local, you see, the, local, the, 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 the church universal, the, the whole body of Christ is comprised of believers from all over the world. We are one church. But that one church, like this body, has many parts, many local expressions. And those local expressions have different functions, different characteristics, different personalities. You know, and within those local churches, there is a diversity there that brings together people. Okay, so, um, so how do we cultivate spiritual unity now? Verses 7 through 16 tell, it, and, um, these, these verses tell us. Okay, so let's go. Verse 7, but each, so now that we're united, we have the basis. Now, how does it look like? Now, does unity mean uniformity? Where all of us go, praise God, praise God on, from whom all blessings flow, praise Him, all creatures here below. And all of us do that at the same time. You know? And then when, this, when Dennis hits that chord, all of us raise our hands at the same time. And then, you know, are we? And then we dress the same. Is unity the same as uniformity? No. <laughs> no. Okay? That uniformity is not what the scriptures are talking about. And see, 
unity here is this, e to each one of us, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. We have been given a portion of grace and those find expression in different ways. It's the manifold grace of God operating in the church and there's a purpose for that. And there's a variety, there's a diversity of gifts that God has placed in each of us for the purpose of building the, the one whole church. In that diversity, we're moving towards one direction, one purpose, one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one spirit. We're led by the same spirit. It produces a unity, a whole. Okay? It's like if I cut off my arm, I will never be the same without my right arm. How can I text now? I'm right-handed. I have to learn. I don't know. How can I, how do I, how can I brush my teeth now? I'm right-handed. You see, things will never be the same. And uh, if you cut off my arm, my right arm by its own cannot live. It cannot live on its own. It needs to be connected to the body. But my right arm has a different function than my left foot, than my, than my left eye. Yeah, than my left nose. Right nose. No, I only have one nose. Okay. Then my, you see, it has different function, but it makes up as a whole, as a, a whole unit. Okay? So, believers, basically, these gifts, believers are to minister to one another. And as we go to verse 11, verses 8 through 10, it's basically just to say a, a scriptural basis for, 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 you know, for the gifts. Okay, so, so, but verse 11 says here, so Christ himself gave the apostles. So God has given us spiritual gifts individually and corporately as a church, Jesus has given us gifts that he calls ministers. And these are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. This is from the NIV. And what is the purpose of these ministers? To minister to, ev to everybody? To do all the work of the ministry? A lot of people tend to think so. If you're the pastor, that means you are to... So if you're a pastor of the church, that means you're going to have to visit all of us when, when you're sick, when we're sick, when, when someone's dying, when we have a birthday. What if 10 of you have the same birthday and you have the same birthday party on the same day? And you have a birthday party on the same day? How can I split myself into 10? You see, a lot of people think that the, the, the ministers... Are, are there to, to, to do all the work of the ministry. But the Bible says that God, Jesus, gave these ministers to equip His people, to equip everyone, okay, for works of service. In other words, for the work of the ministry. Everybody, all of you in the church, you are the ones doing the work of the ministry. Look at the person next to you. Tell that person, you are a worker of ministry. Okay, or you are... A, you're a minister. You're not full-time, but you are a minister nonetheless. You do the work of the ministry. You are the ones doing the ministry. That's why this morning, every Sunday morning at 9.45, we pray for all those who are volunteers. They are doing the works of service in this church through the volunteer ministry, but it, it goes beyond that. Okay? So we have the spiritual gifts individually, and then we have... These leadership gifts that Jesus has given the church to equip all of us in our ministries so that we can function. And as we function, as we all do our part, 
the body builds itself up into one whole unit. Okay, is this making sense? So here, and in verse 12, it says that to equip his people for works so that the body of Christ may be built up. So it's the operation and the manifestation of these diverse giftings, individual spiritual gifts, and these leadership gifts, all working in concert, it's building up the body, one body, a unified body. So question now. Question, are we manifesting our spiritual gifts to serve in and through Christ's church? Are we getting trained and equipped for the work of the ministry to build up the church? That's the question. Are we participating in this work of the Holy Spirit in His church? Think about it. Or are you here just attending the church? If you're just here attending the church, let me tell you, there is so much more. <laughs> so if you're just satisfied and just worshiping Jesus, you're a Christian, you're worshiping Jesus, attending church, that's it. Ah, I get filled up, I get encouraged. There's so much more to it. I mean, like, that's just preschool level. Kind of like, what's going on? It's preschool intramurals. Yeah, you don't get to play in, in the big leagues. There's so much more. Come on, that's what I'm. There's so much more to it, and there's so much more that you can experience as you as you engage with with God's people, as you engage with God's purpose within His community. You will you will experience Jesus in a new way, and you will know Him in a, in a far greater way than you, you, you than, than you can ever know all by yourself. Because <clears throat> you will see Jesus in and through the people here. Not all of us are perfect. But sometimes in our situation, but he doesn't look like, you know, the way he is. I don't see Jesus in him. Well, maybe in your relationship, maybe it's the other way around. It's supposed to be him seeing Jesus in you. Do you get that? So what is the goal of the operation of these manifold gifts and leadership gifts of grace in the church? We find that in the next verses. Until... These, the operation of these gifts, these ser you serve, in, you, you, when you serve God, when you serve God and His people, through His people, through His people, in His, in His community, it will all lead up to this goal. We will all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's why Paul said, I have done all these things in the natural mind. You would think I've accomplished so much. I'm a Pharisee. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm the, I'm, I'm the Jewish of all the Jews. And I've accomplished this, 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 and that. But I consider all things rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and Him crucified. Everything else, they're nothing. They're garbage compared to the awesome, surpassing greatness of knowing who my Lord is. And having a relationship with Him. 
we will grow to maturity. Our goal, each member's goal, is to move forward in faith uh, and in knowing God. And so we can grow, move forward in our relationship with Him. The more we grow in our faith, the more we grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, who He is. That's how we will grow. And can you imagine a community of people growing in this direction? They are going to manifest the, you know, the character of Christ in and through them. When they relate to one another, Jesus will be seen. And when people from outside see, they will see Jesus in, the, in his community. <clears throat> Growth, maturity. It says here in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. You know, like children, you know, they can't decide. I want that. Oh, never mind. I'll do this. Oh, never mind. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, no. All right. How many of you have kids like that? Don't raise your hands. How many of you have kids like that? How many of you are like that? We, as kids, sometimes we're, we're, it, we can't make up our minds because, simply, because of the simple fact that we are immature. Children are, you know, but as they grow, they learn to, okay, make wiser choices, and they learn to stand by their decisions and embrace, hopefully, the consequences of their decisions, good or bad. But that's maturity right there. And mature believers in a maturing church are established. They're not being tossed to and fro. They're not bouncing around. I'm, you know... I've been, so have you met people who've been a member of all the churches in your city? <laughs> I've been to that church. I've been there, been there, been there, been there. You know, oh, I, I was there, but, you know, there's so much politics there. Oh, there, uh, they, they worship all the time. They preach only five minutes. But they worship all the time. And then I go, ah, they preach too long. Ah, there, there, everything's nice, but uh, everyone's old. Ah, here, yeah, everyone's young. I can't really relate. Ah, yeah, it's just, there's so much. Ask, what is the common denominator in all of those churches? Why, why he didn't like them. You, he was in them. <laughs> but you see, when you talk about maturing, that means there are, all, there are also aspects in our lives that, they are that we are still immature in. But we still relate with you. There are areas in my life that I'm still immature and that my wife deals with me all the time. There are areas of immaturity, but, that's, but does that mean because I'm immature, she stops relating with me? No. Jesus put us together. And this is the church. This is where, if you expect the church to be perfect, then you're, the church you're looking for is in heaven. You know, go early. Go home early. But if you're going to be here on the earth, you will not find a perfect church. Why? Because people are in them and people are not perfect. They're being perfected, but they're growing. And see here in the church, this is also an opportunity for you, imperfect people, to learn what Christianity is about, to learn what forgiveness is. You're going to be offended by a brother or sister, and then you will retaliate, but the Lord will tell you, repent of that and forgive. Really? I have to forgive? Yes. That's what Christianity is. Forgive. Okay, so forgive. You learn to forgive. You also learn to be forgiven. You learn to, you know, to, to sacrifice. You learn to love unconditionally. 
This is the place where we get to, to, to practice what Christianity is all about. Mature believers are established. And as they're more and more established, they become more mature, they reveal Jesus more and more. As we conclude here, Ephesians 4, verse 15. <clears throat> Where is that? There you go. Do I have it? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have verses 15 and 16. So basically, Paul concludes... I'm going to read from here. Uh, okay, Paul concludes verses 15 and 16. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot to put that in. So, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. As we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up into him and then into Jesus who is our head. And from him, from whom the whole body, the whole church, joined and held together. Look at the person next to you. I, I, this is pretty cheesy, but I'm not going to ask you to hold each other's hands. But you get what I'm saying. Joined and held together by every joint, with, by every supporting ligament. We support one another. And how is this, how do we support one another? It's through our relationship. That's why the unity is a relational unity. We are held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, tell the person next to you, you are a part of this body. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, that it builds itself up. So you see, when we do this, it's like, it's going to grow. Like my kids, I don't do things to make them grow. They just grow. Like my son Luigi, like, just this January, we were... He was standing next to me, and I was like a half inch taller than, I, than he is. I said, uh, maybe next year. But after a few months, he just shot up like that. And he's now taller than me. And he's catching up to, to my other son, Joshua. And I think he's going to surpass Josh. <clears throat> you see, I don't do anything to make them. They just grow when everything works together. Come on now. So when we all do our part so let's not look at the other part. How come, how come his part is so prominent? He gets the spotlight. I don't get the spotlight. I get, I'm behind the spotlight. You don't look at the other person's part. You look at your part and be faithful with it. And then contribute. And then relate. And then support, supply what the other person needs. Relate with one another. And when we do this, the body built itself up in love. And that is the glue. Okay? That is the key. The unity of the spirit is a relational unity. Unity with God and with believers. Relational unity fosters growth and maturity. Okay? And it's the spirit who enables the unity, but we are called to maintain that unity. Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 4. Can we go to Colossians 3 verse 14? Sorry. And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, what binds us together? It's love. And what is love? Love is a relational term, isn't it? So, you'll know the church's unity by the love it manifests. The love of Christ. Jesus said, a new command I give to you. 
love one another as I have loved you. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you see here, the unity is not just for us to have a great experience here, but there's a purpose for that unity. A house divided cannot stand, but a house that is unified, unified in its purpose, in its mission, will have tremendous impact in the world. And that unity will have implications on our, on our mission as a church. That's how people will know that Jesus is real through our, through our lives. Amen? So let's all stand. I'd like to end with this. <clears throat> Spirit-empowered, <clears throat> love-motivated, relational unity is essential to the church's maturity and mission. My question is, Are you plugged in? Are you participating? Are you experiencing this unity? Are you using your spiritual gift to contribute to the church? To manifest the grace of God in the church and through the church? Are you allowing the ministers whom Jesus placed in the church to train and equip you? for works of ministry? Are you allowing yourself to get trained? Do you have the humility and the gentleness and the patience to get trained and equipped so that you can be prepared for what God has called you to do? Are you participating? Are you engaging? Let me encourage you. If you're a follower of Christ, Engage. You know, be united with, with Christ, and that unity with Him will produce a unity with God's people, with His people. Engage with His people. Engage with His community. Be part of that. You can't be an island. Your growth is, you know, Jesus deemed it necessary for us. Part of our growth in Him is to be connected to His people. And He uses His people to make us grow, to help us grow. So if you're not connected, let me encourage you, please do so. Can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for those who are on the fringes. Lord, they know they're believers, but they're just satisfied with just where they are right now. But Lord, I pray that you would ruin them. That you'd ruin their, Lord, that you would ruin them and cause them to see where they are is nothing compared to where you want them to be where you want to take them but Lord that, that means engaging with your people and serving your people serving the church serving in the church and serving through the church serving people outside of the church but that is through your church Lord I pray that you would touch the hearts of these people Lord that they would say, Lord, that they would have a divine discontent of where they are and say, Lord, I want more. I want more of what you have for me. You didn't save me just for me to be bored. You didn't, you, Lord, you saved me from something, but you also saved me for something. And I want, I want to throw my life into that purpose why you saved me, why I am here. Lord, I also pray <clears throat> for those who 
<coughs> For those who are here, but you know, they're they're not engaged, and yet they're the ones who, who are speaking a lot against the, your church. They criticize your church. They think a lot of negative things. Yes, there. In reality, there are a lot of things to see in church because people are imperfect. As long as churches are filled with people, there will always be imperfections that will be seen. There will always be immaturity that will be seen. But that's part of it. And Lord, I pray that those types of people who are here or criticizing church, who complain a lot but who are involved the least, who are divisive, Lord, I pray that they would repent of that attitude and that they would, Lord, engage with your people. That they would encounter your love and learn how to manifest that love that unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love. And Lord, today, just pray that you would do a miracle in their hearts. I also pray for all of us here, Lord, that our love would increase, that to our love we would add goodness, that we would add, Lord, gentleness, that we would add humility, we would add perseverance, we would add all these things. Lord, in adding these things, we are growing, but it's you leading us, Holy Spirit. But Lord, thank you. For your people. Lord, right now, I just pray that everyone here would, Lord, would find it in their hearts to, be, to appreciate your grace manifesting through the people you put them around, that you put around them. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Lord, you use them to, to sharpen me. Thank you for, for our ministry team here, Lord. Lord, they're Lord, they, they sharpen me as well. They, they help enhance my leadership. Lord, I thank you for the people here or serving lord they they are a blessing lord they are a blessing here lord uh, those who are volunteering to serve those are leading small groups lord thank you for them lord thank you for them that they're lord they're advancing your kingdom and because of that there's the church is growing and there's growth and we are all growing as a result lord i pray that you would put a an, a gratitude in our hearts for your people but not just for your people for your grace in your people and Lord we say here we are use us to manifest your grace and Lord we commit to do our part that we would join together with our brothers and sisters that we would supply as each joint supply and as we do our part we commit Lord to seeing this church build itself up in love as your spirit enables us. Lord, we thank you. And I pray that we would begin to move in greater love so that more of you will be seen in us. Lord, build that unity of the spirit in and through us that our that the world may know who you are, that the world that the world would believe your message. Build that unity for your glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.